Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You are with Lyle and Angela. And Angela, how are you this morning? I am excellent because I got some vitamin N yesterday. Vitamin N? Yes, vitamin nature. I was going to say, I've never heard of vitamin N before. It's essential. We are all nature deficient and we should all be getting some time outside. And so I got some time outside playing cricket. There you go. Getting in touch with your Australian heritage right there. And a little bit of uh, learning Australian football and kicking the, the big ball, which, by the way, at first really hurt my foot. It's hard as rock. I felt like I was kicking a rock around, but then I finally like learned a little bit how to kick it, and it was awesome. <laughs> so AFL and cricket for Angela. There you go. So for those of you who don't know, Angela doesn't sound like an Australian, but she actually is an Australian. And this has been this uh, six months in Australia has been a great opportunity for Angela to get in touch with her Australian roots and to learn some Australian culture. And so, yeah, she's been out there playing cricket and uh, playing AFL. Way to go. Yeah. All of the, uh, you know, Tasmania, Victoria, South Australia, West Australia, we're like, yeah. <laughs> Other states are be like, what's that game? Um, <laughs> that's just because they're uneducated. Um, oh, dear. <clears throat> yes, we're very parochial about our codes here in this country. So this morning, I am thankful for random gifts. So I got a random gift that just turned up in the mail. Another one? Which one did I, did I did I do a random gift? Yes. Which was the one I did? <laughs> I don't know. I did. I did not. I talked about the number plate that turned up, right? Mm-hmm, yes. Okay. This one was a, a coat, a beanie, uh, another coat, um, and uh, it was just absolutely on um, a pair of shoes. Whoa! Just a random gift. I was like, I know, want one of those. <laughs> so good. You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Angela, what have we got for positively different news? Okay, well, I just wanted to quickly finish up my goat promo yesterday because oh, yes. <laughs> I, I like goats. And um, I found this story that in America, uh, the governor of the state of Virginia is using goats to clean up um, this area of lawn, uh, specifically a really steep hillside on, at the governor's executive mansion. And the goats are cleaning up all the English ivy, Virginia creeper, and poison ivy. And believe you me, if you know anything about poison ivy, I've had it quite a bit as a child. It is horrendous. So goats are cleaning up this thing. Sure beats a person going down there and having to clean it up. I rent, uh, I once ran a, in Virginia, ran a chainsaw through poison ivy. I was cutting firewood and this tree had fallen down through poison ivy. I didn't sort of stop to look that it was poison ivy. And I just drenched myself in poison mm. ivy coming off the, uh, off the chain of the chainsaw. It was the most horrific experience. And you're telling me goats actually eat this stuff. Yeah. That's just amazing. Isn't that fantastic? And so um, they are cleaning up this area. And what they're going to do instead in this area is they're going to plant native plants um, to make the area more pollinator friendly. So pollinators are bees, um, flies, moths, butterflies. And did you know that one out of every three bites of food you take in is thanks to a pollinator? Yes, indeed. Uh, where would we be without pollinators? Our world would be a very, 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 very deprived place as far as food goes. Very limited. So, yeah, we need to keep those bees happy and we need to keep them healthy. 
and it's good to see that they're going to have some more pollinators happening there. I think this is great. I think this is yeah, just I think a it's great, really cool. good invite. Have you ever watched um, YouTube videos of goats fainting? Uh, no. I have better things to do. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You kind of set yourself up for that one. <laughs> I'm like, how do I respond to this? Well, hey, okay. If you've never but, watched YouTube videos of goats, goats fainting, Angie, you need to do that this afternoon. Um, well, I'll goats, just go goats find just one. Goats like the best, they are the best creatures ever. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see. Um, so something that I think is super cool is they're also not using chemicals um, on this area of land because they don't want it to run off into the James River. So they're really trying to practice what they preach here um, at the Governor Mansion. And they're also going to start a garden there as well. Um, and any plants that are, I guess, that is part of the landscape that are not native when they die, they're going to replace them with native plants. So they're really oh. trying to go the extra mile. Cool. And I know that, you know, maybe goats won't work in Australia, but with the, all the damage of the fires, if we could figure out some way, I don't know if it's possible because you also have to protect your native species. But I think, I think these goats are pretty cool. Goats will work in Australia so long as they're inside of a fence. Goats work great in Australia for projects like this particular one that you're mm. speaking about right here. That would be a perfect uh, project for goats in Australia. If you've got a problem with, you know, I talked about this yesterday, a problem with blackberries on your property, the easiest solution is a fence. Now, it yeah. does have to be a very serious fence for goats because <laughs> they will just climb out of any kind of fence that you can build pretty much. But if you can build a goat-proof fence... Mm. Um, they are great for cleaning out. Yeah, know, so, so the free grazing in Israel, maybe not so much, but maybe you could do controlled yeah. goat grazing, like controlled fires. I don't know. All right, the next story I want to tell you about is, uh, you know, multi-generation living was a big thing all throughout history, but recently has not become very popular, right? In the last 100 years, we've really moved away from multi-generation living. Well, get this, the trend is back. Multi-generation housing is back. and Isn't, isn't this just like... Uh, kids who are failing to learn. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so this is a study uh, article out of the UK, and they do call it, like, because of the boomerang generation, so basically um, the fact that kids who come back to the family nest for economic reasons, all right? And there's several reasons for that. Number one, um, our kids are having huge amount of debt that they've never had before. So they're actually coming out with as much debt as a house almost. So that's why they're coming back. On top of that, you do have sticker rounds that, you know, stick around. But also, um, you do have divorce going on now at a much regular pace. So grandmas and grandpas are playing a lot, much larger role in the raising of children. So they're finding that very essential to have the grandparent live right there. It's an interesting piece of research and to see how society is changing. I don't think it's all... I think there's some, there's some negatives as well as some positives in it. The Bible says, a man shall marry his wife, shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And I, I believe that that's healthy. Um, but at the same time, I do recognize that there are cultures in our world where they have multi-generational families that are very, very healthy. So well, yeah. who am I to judge? In Holland, um, they're going to have 500,000 multi-generational homes by 2040 is what their goal is. Wow. And basically, honestly, the, the COVID crisis is what also opened up people's eyes because many um, people fled the cities and moved into their parents' country home and they got pretty used to the lower rent and also the free childcare. And so actually COVID has also increased this desire for multi-generational homes. And there are many architects. There's four big architect programs that are working on, one in Japan, one in the U.S., and one in the U.K. that I found. So this multi-generational thing is actually a big thing. And the houses that I was looking at, they're massive. But that's what they're planning now. That's interesting because in uh, Italy, where they have a very, very strong culture of multi-generational living, they actually 
um, stated well, the research found that it was one of the causes for the spread of COVID and particularly the high mortality rate because you had a lot of older people who would in some other cultures be in a home where they could be easily quarantined that you know kids were going to school picking up COVID mm. not having any symptoms bringing it home giving it to their grandparents and their grandparents dying from it so yeah some pluses and minuses to yeah, it definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here you're, you're sitting there with all the pluses I'm sitting here with all the minuses <laughs> it'd be interesting to see where this story goes as um, a new society forms that's it, definitely the way it's moving definitely four out of every ten home buyers in US are doing it are getting multi-generational homes four out of every ten that's massive yeah that, uh, this is doing my head in. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8, or 88, right across Australia. And joining us here in the studio today, I have Rochelle. Rochelle Rankin, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. That's fantastic. <laughs> now, we want to hear about your testimony today and, mm-hmm. and what God is doing in your life. Where would you like to start? Ah, uh, from the very beginning. That's probably not such a bad place. <laughs> yes. It's kind of be weird to start halfway through, wouldn't it? It would. It would. <laughs> okay, so take us back to the beginning. Whereabouts do you come from? And uh, yeah, tell us about your family and mm-hmm. how you came to God. Yeah. So I was born in um, Sydney and I moved to the Central Coast, so what Terrigal. Part of, what part of Sydney? Wurunga. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep, but good. just until I was one. And then I moved to Terrigal when I was two. And that's where I was since then. Okay. So yeah. you're a, uh, a born and bred Central Coast girl. So born you're and bred. Um, living and working uh, not too far from where you grew up right mm-hmm. now. Exactly. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Your family, they're a Christian family? Yes. Oh, fantastic. Awesome. <laughs> Tell us about your family. Were you, were you, was this the kind of family where, uh, you know, you had um, daily worship, went to church every week, all that kind of stuff, or was it Christian family? You know, because they're different kind of Christians. You've got the Christian mm-hmm. families like, yeah, 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 we're this kind of Christian, and they go to church for Christmas and Easter. Yes. What was your family? Tell us about yours. We were a Sunday-keeping church every mm-hmm. single week, um, prayed together every day, and yeah, it was very Christian. Awesome. But yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Praise God. <laughs> yes. Okay, so a young person growing up in this kind of family. Mm-hmm. How did you meet God yourself? Well, it's a bit of a long story, but I will go back to the beginning and we'll get there maybe in all a little right. bit. Is that I'm right? I'm going to hand it straight over to you. Okay. Go for it. So I'm the child of a loving mother and the Lord was my father. Uh, even to this day, I rarely think about the person I'm supposed to call my dad. Uh, since I was a child, that word never came out of my mouth. So it's something that I'm not used to. Can I, um, can I ask? Um, have you ever? Do you know who your dad is? Or yes, okay. yes. Okay. So um, I was, I was, yeah, I was one year old. Uh, sorry, even back to that. So my mum and him got married, and they were all in love, and everything was great. And he didn't seem overly aggressive um, before, but then when they got married, things changed. Mm. So, but mum was being hurt, and she didn't know that he was hurting us. But mm. then one night, mum saw bruises on our bodies, and we finally told her about what Mark, that's my dad, and what he did to us, and she separated him. From him that night. Absolutely. Mm. Well done. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Mom. You have an awesome <laughs> mum. And I I've got to tell you, do. if there are any ladies out there who are in this situation right mm. now mm. and you're listening in, leave today. Yes, yes, definitely. You know, the, the, this, is, this is a biblical principle right here. If somebody is beating up on you or you know, abusing you in any way, leave today. Go to a refuge. Give us a call here. We'll find somewhere. You know, mm. 1-800-324-843 is our number. Mm. We will find somewhere where you can go. Mm. So that is fantastic because mm-hmm. so often I hear the, uh, the other story. Yes. Your yes. mum's a hero. Oh, she is. She's my hero. <laughs> she is. Um, so she put a restraining order on him as well. Mm-hmm. And um, the only thing we had to do legally was sit by the phone on a Monday night. And that was the time that he was given to call us if he wanted to, but he never did. 
Um, The other thing we had to do was report to docs when Mm. this happens. And um, we all told our story. They put you in um, different rooms to check that you're telling the truth. Mm -hmm. And they all believed us until it was Mark's turn. And then he went in and they ended up believing him instead of us, even though we're in three different rooms, we're kids and everything. So it just shows that he was an amazing manipulator. And I feel like even to himself, I don't think he really believes he did it. I'm how, not how, sure. many, how many kids were involved in what age? Yeah, so I'm a twin to a boy yep. and I have a younger brother as well. So we were, we were very young at the age and um, they ended up believing him instead of us and my mum as well. So, yeah, it's very interesting. I think he was just very, very convincing. Wow. Mm. That's, yes. that's remarkable. Yes. I, I was not expecting that. Yeah, no, mm. no. Okay, so where did it, what, what happened from here? Yeah, so um, I guess when I think of love, my God and my mum come to mind. Um, they both gave up everything, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother, mother then raised the three of us with all with no child support. Um, we were at school and mum noticed that there was only a few male teachers and they weren't the example that she wanted for us to follow. So God told us her, her to homeschool us. Uh, that's all. Your mum is a hero. Yeah. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. No child support. How does that work? Yeah. Um, I think he was kind of lying to the tax office. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Just, she got no help. So, yeah. So, homeschooling. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. What year were you when you started homeschooling? Um, I did two years at school. So okay, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I, know, I, I, I keep butting in. I, I shouldn't no, butt right. in. My wife tells me don't butt in so much. <laughs> no, um, tell so, your story. Yeah. So then we were homeschooled, and that was amazing. And I don't know how she did it. She really is such a strong woman, and she never did anything for herself. Um, but always put us first. But we knew we were loved, and um, our mother would do anything for us. Um, so even to this day, my mum and I are best friends, and yeah, she's my rock and the person I love the most. That's so fantastic. Yeah, as I said before, I was raised in a non-denominational Christian church, and um, my mother raised us so that we knew without a doubt we were loved and that we had the best father who was God. Um, yeah, we had plenty of moments where we had no money and God would answer prayers and money would be left in our mailbox or mum would receive a random check. Um, God was always with us. And, and let me just encourage people that are out there in the community listening in right now. If you know mm. of single mothers that are out there in the community mm. doing it hard, doing it strugg- struggling mm. like that, don't be scared to drop some money in their mailbox, yeah. drop slide it under their door mm-hmm. uh, because you have no idea what they are praying oh, for yeah. right now. Exactly. Mm. True that. Um, so then there's another part, I guess, of my testimony. I was always Rochelle the dancer. So um, I always wanted to be a professional ballet dancer. Um, I started when I was four and I loved it, um, but I was never very good at it until I was 14. <laughs> um, but I truly believe when you work hard for something, it makes you love it a lot more. Sure. Um, so I was accepted into a ballet school in New York and spent five years there. And um, that's when I joined the church for myself. So I wasn't just going with my mum. It was still non-denominational, but that's when I went and decided to go. Can I ask, how old were you when? I was 18. 18. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And you were Uh, five years in New York. Yes. Yes. Cool. Yeah. So in the dance world, um, I was always known as the Christian girl and people would say, she's too Christian and trying to be all mean, but I just took it as a really big compliment. Oh, this is in America. <laughs> yes. This is in America. Yeah. It's supposed to be a Christian, you know. Nation. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I took it as a big compliment. But um, they all had, I mean, it's the ballet world, right? You have to be so skinny. You have, you're told that you're imperfect every day. So a lot of them had serious self-esteem issues, bulimia, um, cutting, and I had God. I was fine, but I, I guess I was ended up being a support network as well for the girls that were going through some some very hard things wow um but yeah ballet is a really intense sport i was very dedicated it's nine hours a day six days a week and i did that since the age of 15 
So just getting a bit of maths here, that's 32,400 hours since the age of 15. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> <Yeah>. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so you're going to have to um, pull some moves for us here. And we'll, we'll, oh, yeah, we'll, totally. We'll, we'll, um, we'll put them up on social media. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I was never the most technical person, but I had a passion for it and I was told that I had, like, something extra. So I got the leading roles in every performance and got amazing opportunities. Um, my flum, My mum actually flew to America and saw one of my favorite roles that I got to perform. It was very hard, but it went really well. And I remember taking my last bow and I spotted my mum in the audience and it was so nice having her watch me as it's been years since she's watched me dance. Mm. Um, And then I was all comfortable in New York and then God told me to move to Europe. Okay, so I'm just just sort of putting this whole picture together because Mm -hmm. obviously I I, I know where you are now and I know Mm -hmm. what you're doing right now. Yes. I know the I know where the story ends yes. today. I don't know where it ends in the future, but I know where mm-hmm. it ends today. And I'm thinking, okay, you have the world at your feet. Oh, in New York? In, in, yeah. in, in, the, in the dance world? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Europe. Tell us about Europe. <laughs> so, yeah, God told me to move to Europe. So, a few days later, I gave away a lot of my possessions. I booked flights and I arrived in Germany not knowing where I was going to stay that night. But um, I felt calm. And when God tells you to do something, he helps you through it. So I then traveled around Europe alone and auditioned in 13 countries and ended up in Switzerland. Um, and at that time, my mum married married a, an amazing man named Cedric. And he was a Seventh-day Adventist. And my first question was, what is that? I just never heard of it before. <laughs> oh, come on. You never listened to Faith FM before. Oh, dang it. Rebuke. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he showed me the truths of the Bible and my mind was blown. Um, he was an incredible example of what a godly man looks like. And he is to this day the man that I respect the most. Hmm. Um, I was still dancing in Switzerland. And there was no English, let alone Sevi churches surrounding me. And I was still dancing on the Sabbath. And that's when God told me to stop dancing. So that Se- was... Sevi being what? Seventh day Seventh day Adventist, sorry. That's yes. what we call ourselves. We call ourselves. Yes. Yeah, we're Sevi. Sevi. <laughs> in Australia, anyway. In, in Australia, yes. And then God told me to stop dancing. Um, in my final performance, I was the lead role and um, I think God gave me a gift that day when I came out for my final bow all the audience started to stand and gave me a standing ovation and that was an amazing end performance but that was a day that I always dreaded it was my last performance and um, but I felt God was either saying you're going to choose me or you're going to choose dancing and I I chose him and that was the best decision I ever made Um, so I couldn't call myself a seven-day Adventist or a Sevi until I knew everything about the seven-day Adventist church Sure. I believe oh, you should absolutely. know, obviously. Yeah. yeah. For sure. You should yes. always investigate. Exactly. Um, because there are some differences, obviously, than what yeah. I'd learned growing up. Um, so then I did uh, Arise, and that was an amazing experience. So I 100%, if anyone is thinking of um, doing Arise, I would 100% say to So Arise is a mm. uh, Bible college, yes. um, north, um, north coast of New South Wales, mm. Kingscliff area. Mm-hmm. Beautiful part of the country to Beautiful. go to Bible college. Yes. And uh, operates for the first half of each year. Yes, amazing, amazing. Um, and I'd always, ha- I'd always had a picture of the woman that I was going to be, and I just wasn't that person. Um, that person knew scripture. That person gave Bible studies and was on fire for God. And I wasn't. I always loved God, but I had no devotional life. And mm-hmm. doing devotions is what changed my life. I believe it's something that you need to do every single morning. Um, and also, don't take for granted the truths that you have been shown. Uh, when I learned about the Sabbath and the state of the dead and all these beautiful things. It just painted such an amazing picture of God. Mm. And um, we all have different circumstances of how we get to 
um, where we are now, um, but we are so blessed to be here. Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah, I would just say every morning I now do devotions and ask God for the Holy Spirit to help me through the day. Um, and in Matthew seven eleven it says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who asks? And also yeah, the parable of the wise and foolish virgins in Matthew 25. They went out to meet Jesus and all of them had their lamp. They had their Bible knowledge, but only five took oil, like representing the Holy Spirit. Sure. Um, you can't ask for the Holy Spirit once and expect it to fill you for the, for the rest of, the, of your life. The oil runs out. Um, it's like you can't have a great big meal one day and never eat again. Mm-hmm. Hence why the unwise girls asked for their oil, the other girls' oil. We also can't depend on others for our personal relationship with God. We need to do devotions every morning and we need all the help that we can get. Yeah. So, yeah. Fantastic. So yeah. that's 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 your story up until yeah, now. Exactly. Yeah. That's an amazing story. So yeah. um, let me just let me just get it. So you basically came from where was it, from Switzerland mm-hmm. to Australia to do the Arise program. Yes. Yeah, so I came back and then one day I was just sitting there and all of a sudden it was like Arise and I was like Okay, I have to I have to apply right now before I <laughs> talk myself out or anyone else does. When you when you're in Switzerland, did you learn to speak uh, Swiss German? Mm. <laughs> That's the amazing thing about the Swiss is that they all speak English a little bit, but whatever I learned is kind of gone now. Yeah, so, yeah. That's a bit sad. <laughs> it is. Yes, missed opportunity. Oh, uh, wow. But okay, so now now that you've done a rise, what have mm-hmm. you been doing since then? Did you Bible yes. college the first half of this year? What have you been doing since then? Yes. So while I was doing a rise, um, I, I should say this. I should say this. Yeah. I, I'm butting into myself now. No, no. Um, that if you are interested in doing Bible college, mm. give us a call. You know our number one eight hundred three two four eight four three, and we will see if we can arrange that for you. Yes, definitely. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah. So I was doing a rise, and one morning I just said to God, "If there's anything that I'm not giving to you, um, please let me know, and I will and I will follow." And I had always said, "I'm not doing a rise for life. I'm not going to do Bible working <laughs> for a church. I just need to. I'm I'm getting older now. I need to start a new career. You know, I have to get things together. And then, of course." That day, God <laughs> told me, you're doing a rise for life. Yeah. Um, but praise the Lord that he has. And I love that he just tells you things when you can handle it. Yeah. So if I knew years ago that I would be stopping dancing and Bible working, it would have been a shock. But he just told me like a step at a time. And that's, that's what I love. And that's the things. All of, there's a, there's a the very old and famous saying, all of God's biddings are enabling. Yes. And it's so true. You know, if... if it's God's timing right there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. fantastic. <laughs> now, since you've been doing Bible work, mm-hmm. um, yeah, tell us if you um, had any experiences in being able to share Jesus with other, with other people. Definitely. I um, I think that was one of the reasons why I didn't want to do Arise for Life because I was like, I don't know if I have the greatest Bible knowledge. <laughs> I don't know. I can't yes. just bust it out. I'm Every- no Lyle. I don't know. <laughs> You do know that Lyle's been doing this for, what, 25 years, and every time I do a program, there is someone who asks me a question I do not know the answer Uh, to. (laughs) It has not happened yet. (laughs) There we go. Um, So you are in good company there. Um, But anyway. Yeah, and um, but... God uses you. Um, if he's told you to do something, you follow. And we just have to be willing to follow. And he'll fill us with the right words to say. So now I'm doing many Bible studies each day. And I just feel so amazed. This is the work. This is the great commission, what we've been called to do. Yeah, yeah. And this is the woman that I saw myself being and giving these Bible studies, um, being filled with the Holy Spirit and sharing the things that I know. Um, and I'm absolutely loving giving these Bible studies. 
and everything. So yeah, it's amazing. I just would just say like in one step at a time, God may just show you your next step and not the end result, but to have faith and follow that still small voice because you're in good hands. Thank you so much for joining mm. us on the show today, Rochelle. Um, it is just a breath of fresh air to have a, uh, a young person here who's someone fire for God and may mm. God bless you in a special way. Thank you very much. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It is time for question of the day. Before we go there, we have another question of the day. Nope, it's time for the question of the day. It, it is indeed. And I thought we had another clue, but we don't. <laughs> All right. The question of the day is, why does God continually seem to choose to work through a certain group of people? Why did he choose to just work through the Israelites? Why did he have a chosen people? So why does God have a chosen people? So if you look at the history of uh, followers of God, you begin with the Israelites as God's chosen people. Uh, we from you know from a from biblical times onwards, and or from the, the the time of the writing of the Bible. So let's let's begin there. God chooses a people for the purpose of leading the world to Him, and so when He chooses the Israelite nation, He does so based on geography. So if you look at the Israelite nation and where the Israelite nation was supposed to exist, the borders of the Israelite nation that were with the Israelite empire that were given to uh, you know were given to Abraham was from the river of Egypt which is in the Sinai desert all the way through to uh, the river Euphrates now if you look at that then on a map basically what you have is that Israel occupies the land bridge effectively between Europe Asia and Africa this is obviously something that takes place in the time of Abraham. This is very early on in the history of the world. The population of the world has not. The population of the world is very small. Uh, the population of the entire planet in the time of Jesus was less than the population of the United States today. Um, so we've got to remember that the population was small. It had not spread as far yet, and it was primarily spreading by land. And so, if it's primarily spreading by land, it's going to be primarily occupying three continents: Africa, Asia, and Europe. And of course, Israel is a part of Asia. Sometimes I have Asians come to me and say, "Well, this is a European Christianity is a European religion. Why should I be a part of it?" No, Christianity is an Asian religion. And so it begins geographically. Now, ge geography does not become so important once you reach the age of travel. And so what you want now, rather than being geographically placed, you want to be placed in the most effective location for effective travel. And so, for instance, when you see the age of missions begins, the age of missions begins in around about the year 1804, thereabouts. And... Uh, the center of Christianity has moved, obviously, from Israel, you know, Protestantism, to Great Britain. And the British Empire is an empire, you know, during the next hundred years or so, where the sun never sets. It rules out of over one out of every five people on the planet, and it is the world's greatest transport hub. You know, the reason that Singapore is why Singapore is is because it was built as a transport hub. And so God positions his movement uh, you know, in the age of missions in the UK where you have access to transport. But then you see the emphasis moving from the UK during the British Empire to the Americas and to the United States because now that's the world's greatest transport hub that there is. And so effectively what God is doing is he is placing, um, by creating a group, a people, a movement, you create a, 
an environment, you create a system, you create a mechanism that is big enough to generate the energy needed to take the gospel to the world, and then you geographically place that group where where they have the energy to take the gospel to the world in the most strategic geographical location for them to be able to do so. Before the age of travel, that was at the crossroads of the world. Since the age of travel, it's going to be in your dominant world superpower. Now, why am I saying this? I'm saying this just simply from my own personal observations. I can't read you a verse in the Bible that says this. But what I can read you in the Bible is the purpose that God chose the Israelite nation, why he called them, the purpose for their existence. And there are a multitude of passages in Scripture which bear out that the purpose for their existence was to take the gospel message to the world. As a nation, they were supposed to be a nation, a model nation in the world, where the whole world would come and go, wow, you know what? We want to be like Israel. This is the most advanced constitution, the most advanced nation, has the most freedom and success and wealth and everything else in it that there is. Uh, It was due to their failures in following God that that did not become the case. And uh, others have been looked to as, uh, as model nations instead. 